Shalom, everybody, and welcome to the Ishai Fleischer Show, broadcasting live from Hong Kong Airport. That's right, here on the Land of Israel Network, I am in the airport of Hong Kong. Got to fly in tonight and see a kind of partly cloudy, very lit up city. And it's an exotic and, and beautiful city. And uh, I got to see it kind of at nighttime. It was an awesome feeling. And uh, I love my land. I love my home. And my whole life is Israel. But uh, you got to just give credit to great places. And you got to love great places because they're also godly. They're also part of an amazing world that God created, a beautiful globe. And we have to bless things along the way. Bless things. That's just, that's just something reflexive that I want to like kind of, everybody's got to get into that mode. You see a beautiful city, you bless it. You see a very wealthy person, you bless it. You see a shul outside of the land of Israel, bless it. You, you, you know, bless people in general. Send that general atmosphere of blessings uh, around to the world. And as Jews and as lovers of Israel, that is our job, uh, to be the blessers. In uh, any case, I'm uh, en route home to the land of Israel from Australia another beautiful place in this world and it was awesome awesome trip met so many fabulous people and i want to thank all of the listeners and new friends that i've met many many jews many non-jews as well who are part of the story and it was just a a rocking trip and i got to thank first and foremost uh, dr david adler and his wife ailey who uh, have founded an organization along with also great folks that are part of their team called the Australian Jewish Association, which is all about bringing conservative values and Torah values into the political mainstream of Australia. And actually, that's something very lacking. So when you're in Australia, you're like in a great, in a, in a, in a, in a great country. It's a very aesthetic country. But politically, it really attends left. Right now, there is a kind of center-right government in place, what's called the liberal government. Uh, but even they uh, oftentimes kind of Uh, slide left. For example, they were amongst the states that were invited to the American inauguration of the U.S. Embassy, which, by the way, I watched live, live, live at night uh, in Sydney, and I watched it. It was on my Facebook page as well. I put it up, and it was from the Embassy Facebook page. It was incredible. I've never seen such a such a such an event with so many blessings. With so, there was three Shechianos, a beautiful verse that Prime Minister Netanyahu read about Jerusalem being called the city of truth. In the end, it was it was incredible, and I was like pained while in, while loving my time in Australia. Pained that I wasn't in Jerusalem with all of the people that I know and celebrating this thing. Uh, sadly, Australia also was amongst, as I was saying before, was amongst the few countries. Uh, no, amongst the uh, not amongst the few countries that accepted America's invitation to the inauguration, but it was one of the other countries that boycotted the event, uh, and that was very disappointing. And I, and I realized that we really have a project here, which is to get the Australian embassy <coughs> and all the other embassies to move to Yerushalayim, and that became one of the things that I that I started talking about uh, in Australia, and I'm excited to have that kind of uh, the you know, a push, a political push and for all the new folks that I met to really get something done in the next few years, which is to move that embassy. At the same time, really, that's not exactly the direction that Australia is going as, as much as I uh, have come to understand, which is it, it really leans more center-left. And that's too bad. And you you got to wonder, why boycott? Why boycott the 
United States inauguration of, of the embassy. Do you really believe, Australia, that, that Jerusalem is not the capital of Israel? Do you really think that some solution will be brought out better because you don't recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel? Isn't it true that Jerusalem is the capital of Israel? What about Western Jerusalem? Can't you just accept that? In any case, that is to me, uh, uh, that was one of the issues that was a little bit disappointing, but also I was happy that I was able to, we were able to, and uh, along with the AJA and all the, the good new friends, spot uh, an opportunity, a, po- a political push that can be done in the next few years. I met a lot of people. I met uh, young people and old people. I met people who are making Aliyah, uh, who want to hear more information, and then people who want to connect better to Eretz Israel. <laughs> And you're going to hear a talk in just a minute uh, th- uh, uh, that I gave at the North Shore Synagogue in Sydney, and I recorded that talk. I gave a lot of talks. I gave up like 15 talks and media interviews and all kinds of stuff like that. But I recorded one talk, and you're going to hear it now, and I think it's going to be useful for you. And you'll also hear the fun, the energy that I tried to bring. And I want to just dedicate today's show to, uh, to Shimon Ben Chaim, Simon Ben Chaim or Shimon Ben Chaim, who is the father of a listener and a, and a friend that I connected with uh, in Australia, and that's Pauline a- uh, Opat. Okay, pa- Pauline, she was in one of my events. Uh, she also gave a, a donation and was very helpful. And, and in general, just like she was, came up to me and, and is like one of these people that's out there somewhere in the world. And when you fly around the world, you, you connect with them. So, Pauline, thank you so much. And today's show and all that we're going to hear is dedicated to the memory of Shimon Ben Chaim, who died on New Dalit Tammuz in the, the year 1985. And he was born in uh, 1918 in, in Poland, in New Belarus. Uh, now, now Belarus, uh, that area. Uh, so... Uh, that's 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 the dedication of the show, and you're going to hear kind of the energy that I that I had the big schut, the big honor to bring, and really to celebrate, to celebrate Yerushalayim, to celebrate Hebron, and to celebrate our strength, and to give people answers. People need answers. People need n- new settings. They need to understand how to deal with problems, uh, uh, the um, questions that that our time is throwing out to us, challenges about how to say things right, how to think about things right, and I hope. I hope that I had a, a little uh, opportunity to do that. And here we go on the Land of Israel Network, on the Ishai Fleischer Show. Thank you so much for being with me here at Hong Kong Airport. It's so fun to record to you. And here was that fun talk uh, that we did in Sydney, another beautiful city. And you're beautiful wherever you are, so here we go. I suffer from a very painful disease. That disease is called FOMO. Okay, do you know what FOMO is? Oh, you guys know about it. In, in Israel, they don't always know. I, I suffer from fear of missing out. It's a true thing that bothers me. And I've been. And how do you how do you overcome fear of missing out? How do you overcome it by telling yourself God knows where I need to be, and it's no big deal, right? And and you're exactly where you need to be. And I believe that in here. But sometimes the old FOMO still gets you in here. And I have to tell you that my WhatsApp is is ringing off the hook. The uh, you know, and it's saying, Hey, Shai, where the heck are you? Okay, everybody's in Jerusalem and all these parties and political parties, and I'm supposed to be there, and, and I'm in Sydney, okay? Now, at the same time, though, uh, I do believe that God knows where I'm supposed to be, and I have met fabulous people in this fabulous country, okay? And I'm really, really glad to be with you, but you have to help me feel like tonight is like we are in a magical <laughs> super gathering of super people, and then I'm going to tell my Jerusalem friends, yeah, okay, yeah, you were over at the, the uh, you know, and it, I know it's a big deal, but I was in Sydney, and what we were doing was like a nuclear explosion, 
of, 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 of consciousness and, and, and change. And, uh, so so that's, that's the way we got to do it. All right, tonight, can you do that for me? Yes. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yes, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. But I also want, but, but happiness is not enough. I want to feel like nuclear change. Like we're going to do amazing, unbelievable consciousness. So everybody's got to commit to me that like if you do uh, agree and, and get enlightened in any way and get excited, we're going to spread that message out, okay? That's what I mean by nuclear. It's going to go boom out there, all right? And of course we have with us uh, Senator Brian Burston from uh, One Nation and Rosalind. Thank you very much. And so I'm counting on you to go nuclear, okay? And I don't mean that in the literal sense, I mean that in the figurative sense, and, and uh, I hope that, that we get empowered tonight together to, to make a change. And we also have uh, uh, Rabbi Paul Lewin with us. Where's the rabbi? There he is, also, the, also tonight's photographer. And uh, Rabbi Paul, uh, um, thank you so much for having us in beautiful North Shore here of beautiful Sydney today. I, by the way, why do I say beautiful all the time? Because I had some free time, which was very rare. Uh, David Adler of the AJA uh, runs me pretty ragged, thank God. He's, he's got, the truth is, he's not ragged. He's got me to do what I want to do, which is work and to speak to people. Uh, and he's doing a, a fabulous job and so many issues. I sometimes want to say to him, you have too many issues. But he is really uh, uh, heated up on all these issues and he's going to follow through on all of them. I do urge you to support him because he's going to support you, support your ideas. Um, but today I had a day off with Ailey a little bit and, and with, with David, Ailey's brother, and we got a chance to get on the uh, ferry from Rose Bay all the way to uh, cir uh, uh, Circular Key. Come on. That's, that, that is beautiful stuff, right? And, and it is really a very beautiful country. And we'll talk in just a second about making it even more beautiful, okay? But before we do, let, let, us, let me take out my bag of tricks here. Let's see what we got here. Well, Rabbi, first thing, thank you so much for having us in, in uh, your beautiful shul. I brought you a commemorative 70th year flag. You see it says Yom Atzmut Sameach. You see it says Yom Atzmut Sameach. There it is. It's a commemorative flag that was issued. I'll come over to you. Here you go. Nice flag of Israel. Mazato, good. Let's see, but what about this wonderful audience? How about a 70th year marshmallow pack? Okay? They're kosher. Uh, 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 Senator, please don't hog them, okay? Keep passing them around, okay? That would be wonderful. <laughs> All right. All right. What we got here? Oh, yeah, here we go. Right. Actually, for the senator, I have something very important because this is today is actually a dual holiday. Today's a dual holiday. One holiday we've already talked about, and that is the, the holiday that, uh, that, that, that the world is starting to turn, that recognition is of Jerusalem is happening. So it's really the next day of Jerusalem Day. Jerusalem Day was yesterday. Uh, but at the same time, you might not know this, it is also Hebron Day. See, in 1967, Jerusalem was reunited on the 28th of ER, which was yesterday. And the 29th of ER, a rabbi, the chief rabbi of the army, Rabbi Gorin, drove into Hebron with his jeep, thought that the army was already there. The army was not there yet. And yet the town of Hebron and the Arabs there were waving the white flag. And he came to the important site of Hebron, which is the tombs of the fathers and mothers, the founders, Abraham's tomb and Sarah's tomb is in Hebron. Uh, and, and the place had been locked away for Jews for 700 years. From the year 1267, the Muslims took over, the Mamluks took over, and they stopped uh, Jews and Christians from going into the building for 700 years, 1267 to 1967. 
1967, Rabbi Gorin comes in and he liberates Hebron. He actually has to take out his pistol to shoot the lock open. So you can imagine this rabbi, this long, white-bearded rabbi, taking out his service revolver and, and, and shooting the door open, like, you know, uh, Western style, right? So uh, that's what happened. So today we celebrate uh, the reunification of our peoplehood with our, with our parenthood. And that's very meaningful. Now, those parents are our, the, Jewish, the Jewish people amongst us. That's our family members. But for the non-Jews amongst us, that's our spiritual forefathers and mothers for all of us. Abraham. Abraham. And if you heard, speaking of America, if you heard the speech that uh, the vice president of the United States gave uh, at the Knesset, well, who did he talk about? Abraham. So that's, that's our joint heritage. So this is a little bit, uh, a little memento for you from the tombs of the fathers and mothers in Hebron, the gates of Star of David. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And let us uh, keep up the fight and be strong. Maybe there's some more little things in there for you guys. We'll see at the, uh, in the continuation of the talk. There's a little creak here. I'm just going to move this chair. Oh, a little creaky floor. All right. Okay. Maybe I want to move this. So, so, so I just wanted to get to one point, and then we'll go on to the rest of the things. Uh, Australia is quite a beautiful place, as I've said. I've also been to Perth and to Melbourne, and it's all, it's all amazing. But today there was something that was a tad not so beautiful. I've been inspired generally on the trip, uh, but... Uh, really, I, 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 I could see that this country has a lot of incredible potential and beauty and, and, and very good people everywhere you go and good humor. Uh, but I was a tad disappointed today about what we heard uh, that, uh, that this country's uh, official representation is not joining uh, the, the American, um, uh, the, the, what do we want to call it, the establishment of, of, the, of, the, con of the embassy in Jerusalem. A little bit disappointing. By the way, Australia was not the only other, not, not the only country absent. Other good countries were absent, but there were countries that saw through it, including, for example, the Czech Republic, who said, "Yes, I'm going to stand with America and with Israel." And I think the question is, uh, uh, are you going to stand with Israel? Is an obvious question. But then also, like, who are you standing with when you stand against America? That's another question. Like, what are you, what are you thinking exactly? Like, who exactly do you want to be with, or who do you want to be like? There's a moment here. Here's a moment where, where President Trump is doing something, I, I have likened him a little bit to like a child, the famous quintessential child of the emperor has no clothes, right? There are lies in this world that we have all grown accustomed to, that we know that the United Nations is an organization which is anti-Israel, certainly, but really anti-many good things. And yet we are like, okay, and all of our countries contribute a lot of money to this organization, right? Millions. We know that the Palestinian Authority supports terror. How do we know that? Because it's a line item on their budget. It says, support terrorist families. $400 million a year. We know that. And yet we contribute from this country altogether to the Palestinian cause back to $60 million a year. We know these things. These, I'm not saying something that you don't know. We all know them, more or less. And yet we kind of, what, we, we do this, we go, we read the paper and go, yeah, <laughs> when will they learn? And then we go to the next page. Suddenly comes a, a president of the United States who says, you know, enough. This is not the way it should be. I don't want to pay money for that. I don't, I don't think that the Iranian deal was a good deal. I don't think that Jerusalem is not the capital of Israel. And I want to ask the, the Australian government, like, so Jerusalem is not the capital of Israel? Is that what you're saying? It's not? Our capital is Tel Aviv? Well, from, from the onset of the state of Israel, Jerusalem has been the capital. And from the last 3,000 years, we call it Jerusalem, D.C., David's capital. Right? 
Absolutely. Right. It's, it's simple. And you know you say absolutely. You know why? Because what I said now was simple. And that's what President Trump said. He said, I'm just acknowledging the obvious. In America, we say, duh. Okay? It's like, duh. It's, like, it's, not, it's, not, it's not so complex. And then to officially stand against that, that recognition, <laughs> too bad. Too bad. And, but but so, so are we going to go like this? Here, here. Should we do this at the end of this talk? No, should we, should we nod our head and, uh, is that, we're, we're going to go nuclear, exactly. We are going to, instead of being like, no, no, because tonight is a double holiday celebration with marshmallows and cake, there's birthday cake in the back there, um, instead we're going to make a, a resolution, a resolution in our hearts that a year from now, Australia is going to announce that it's moving its embassy to Jerusalem. That's what we're going to do. And I, I believe that it is absolutely possible because it's just acknowledging the obvious. And there are many, many good people in Australia. There's no way that, and, and America's done it. So, what, you know, the dominoes are falling, so let's help this domino. And if my trip uh, uh, even, even minusculely pushed that domino uh, to fall, then, then it was worth it. And there's no FOMO, and it was worth it to be here with you tonight, okay? Great. Uh, that was the issue of Australia. Yes. The day before Trump announced the American embassy moving to Jerusalem, um, a petition was tabled in the Australian Parliament for the Australian embassy to, to be moved to Jerusalem. Yes. Unfortunately, it was at a very difficult time within our government. We were going through same-sex marriage votes, so there were few people there. But it has been, it has been put into the Australian government hands. You know what we say about that? We say, no worries, right? That's what we say around here. Meaning to say, I mean to say, the American embassy move didn't just happen because Trump woke up and, and felt good about it. That's not what happened. We, we, we helped push a law in the American Congress and Senate and signed by, by the President of the United States in 1995. 95, the Jerusalem Embassy Act. Okay? And it was passed by two houses of Congress and a, and a President's signature and then waived every six months for many presidents. Okay, and we put pressure and pressure and pressure. And then finally, and then we had Obama for eight years. And then suddenly, uh, suddenly something different happened, but it all came together. When President Trump made the decision to move the embassy to Jerusalem, he had an American law right behind him. He, he didn't have to make a huge thing. All he had to do was to stop obstructing the will of the American people. Okay, so there was a deep and long build-up to this moment. And yes, there was miraculous things like Ambassador Friedman, and there are definitely things that came in, you know, very beautifully at this moment. Still, though, the moment was prepared and ready. So, too, you know, okay, so that, that means that that's a tremor. What you just told me is, yes, there's an interest. Tremor number one shook it. That's just tremor number one. We'll, 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 we'll shake the cat loose. You know what I mean? It'll, it'll happen. I just made up a parable. There was no such thing as shake the cat loose, but I made that up. But you know what I meant, right? You knew what I meant. Okay, I made that up. All right, good. Uh, let's talk a little bit about, about media today. Uh, uh, David asked me to talk a little bit about media. I'm going to give you, uh, let's, uh, we're gonna, I'm going to tell you exactly what we're going to talk about. I'm going to talk about three stories that I had myself with media, and this will teach us a little bit how to talk and think about the issues that Israel faces and Israel-Australia faces, and then we'll talk about five alternatives to two-state solution. Right? We got a deal? Yeah. You know exactly what's happening, okay? 
Uh, and then everybody's got to stick around for my for the uh, evening prayer. Mind you, uh, let's talk about three media stories. Christiana Manpour. Do you remember her? Christiana Manpour. Smart lady, guys. Smart lady. I know she was in my house. Okay, she was in my house. She walked into my house. I remember. I mean, this lady sharp. She's not a journalist. Uh, she's a narrative combatant. She's a narrative warrior. She has a, a, a point of view that she wants to get across, and she'll do it through you. You will be her victim or her uh, a subject, but she will draw around you what she wants to draw. She is in what I call a narrative warrior. And she walks into my house, and her eyes sharp, like a shark. She just sharp. She looks around my house, and she catches immediately that there is a, a um, knitting, a crochet type, but a, but a painting, a picture that was knitted, and it shows Abraham about to sacrifice Isaac on the Temple Mount. And this was on the Mount of Olives, right across from the Temple Mount. So she says to me, you know, what is that? Do you, you, know, do you believe that that happened here? And she wanted to already start with me kind of to, to, to show that I was extreme and violent and, and you know, and, and the, the biblical narrative was in my head. And she kept asking me, do you hear the voice of God? Do you hear it, right? In your head. She was trying very much to pin me into, uh, you know, a person who is willing to be violent because I hear the voice of God. I said to her, you know, the painting is very important because it's the painting of the story of Abraham, which happened right there. But more important is who made this picture? Who made it? My grandma, who's an Auschwitz survivor. She sewed that thing. This is a story that we've been telling from generation to generation. And, we, and, and she got out of Auschwitz to tell the story about this place. Got her. Okay? That was first. Then she comes out to me with the, to the porch. She comes out to the porch and she says to me, she sees, I had a big Israeli flag flapping in the wind over eastern Jerusalem. So she says to me, Mr. Fleischer, this, this, do the two blue lines represent from the river to the sea that you will control this land? Where did she want me to go with that? She wanted me to be this big, because for the left, nationalism is national socialism. Na like wanting to have your own country to defend your own people and to, and to be a patriot, right, is equal to having uh, an insatiable thirst to conquer other nations. That's the, they want to equate that. Every time you say to them, what do you mean I'm, I'm a nationalist? They say, oh, nationalist, you're a Nazi, you're a fascist. How did, how did you add those things up? That, that, that's not a logical progression at all. So she, she says, is the two lines representing from the river, the, the, the Euphrates, all the way to, to, to the Nile? That's what she was saying. And the Star of David in the middle? I said to her, you know, Christian, what I heard, I said to her, that's very interesting, but you know what I heard? I heard that it really what it represents is the splitting of the Red Sea. And that the Jewish people, the Star of David, is coming out of slavery and into freedom. It's really about liberal values. It's really about freedom for all mankind. And it represents getting out of bondage and into, into, into liberty. Got her again, right? Got it. <laughs> I was having a good day. Uh, I was having a good day. I was having a good day. Then she says to me, my wife, by the way, captured it all on video. My wife said to me, why? Why? Because you, you'll see at the end why. So, so then she, now that, that was all warm-up stuff, you know? That was all uh, par for the course, no big deal. Uh, she just was sizing me up, I guess. She says to me, we're standing on, on, on my beautiful porch on the Mount of Olives, uh, overlooking the, temp the Temple Mount, Mount Zion, the Temple Mount, and the Mount of Olives. 
Yes, that's Jerusalem. Okay, and the Harbor Bridge. No. Uh, uh, so, uh, that's right. You have to come here for that. Uh, you got Sydney's got to have its. It's got its things. You know, you can, Jerusalem can't have everything, but it has its things. And she's standing with me on on that porch, and she says to me, "And oh, now there are Arab houses around me because I lived at the time in a Jewish neighborhood within a broader Arab neighborhood in eastern Jerusalem, right? Okay." Because we're the type of Jews that say that we have every right to this land. We're going to hold on to it. So she says to me, Mr. Fleischer, don't you know you're living in occupied land? And I said to her, Christian, how could you say such a thing? How could you say that? Don't you see right there the Mount of Olives? Do you see all those tombs there? That's 3,000 years of Jewish burial. Do you honestly want to tell me that I don't have a right to live in my people's ancestral burial grounds? Now what happened in that moment? I went as left as possible. I went indigenous on her, okay? I went American Indian on her. I went uh, Aboriginal on her. I talked about ancestral burial grounds. You cannot go, you cannot go around me left on that. That, that. That's yeah. I went all the way left on her. That's it. You cannot go more left than that. I said ancestral burial grounds, and I linked up that we are an indigenous people, which, by the way, is this, all these things that I'm saying are not tricks. They're all true. Every single one of them is true. We are an indigenous people. This idea that we're some kind of conqueror and some kind of occupier, that is, that is their narrative that she wants to weave. It's not true. We're an indigenous people there. And, and that's exactly what this mountain of history so clearly illustrated. And her eyes saw it. Well, Christian uh, was uh, li like a great boxer, you know, was knocked back for a second, but uh, got right back on her feet, and she says to me, yes, but... You are an obstacle to peace, are you not? Meaning to say, okay, forget the fact that you do have rights to this land. Maybe I have to concede that at this moment. But you are an obstacle to peace. Meaning to say, even if now we've somehow lost the establishment of the idea that you're a thief, but you shouldn't be here for the sake of peace. You should give up this land that may be even yours. I said to her, Christian, what, what exactly do you propose do you propose that we take this beautiful city, Jerusalem, and put a wall down the middle, establish it as somebody else's capital as well, and then separate out the city by ethnicities? Is that your vision of progress? Is that progressive? Your vision to separate out by ethnicities this, this city and to create two capitals on it? Sounds a little bit like Berlin. Okay? Sounds a little bit like Berlin. It certainly doesn't sound progressive. It sounds regressive. Okay? And so that's, that's basically I painted her into a few corners of her being the illiberal. Her coming with her Western attitude, coming to, 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 to wrest land away from the Jewish people, to divide our city, you know, and, she, and she's a foreigner, and she has nothing to do with this place, and, 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 and paint, repainting her as this kind of aggressor. And, this, and she's a colonialist. While I'm an indigenous person in this land, I have every right to. Needless to say, none of that made it into the big uh, show that she produced. None of that discussion, nothing. I, it's as though it never happened and it was wasted, except that my beloved wife wisely understood that it is imper imperative to videotape this independent of her taping. And it was very useful for us, and you could see it in, uh, in I, I, we have the whole video. Okay, so that was just number one. Now she, uh, she's one of the best, okay? Let me tell you a story, Bill, that's going to hit a little closer to home about an Australian journalist, okay? This was only two years ago. Australian, Australian journalist came, now I, as, as you could probably guess, I have a soft, a soft spot for Australia. I know this sounds cliche, but I'll say it anyway because it's true. I was 
I was raised during the Crocodile Dundee era, okay? That happened. But moreover, if you don't believe that, some people, I said this in, in Melbourne, they made fun of me, but then they said, when you said the next thing, we believed you. I also grew up on MTV exactly in the In Excess era, okay? And together with also Midnight Oil, who I think we're singing about the Jewish people's right to return to their ancestral homeland. <laughs> I believe that that was the, the message uh, there. That's how I understood it anyway. Um, so I grew up truthfully right in that time, and then 20 years ago I came here on a visit, whatever, and I, I always, you know, for, for, for a certain type of person like that, 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 that Australian kind of personality and, and the outback, the whole thing was, was, was very uh, appealing and I, it always stayed with me. So uh, it, it's also Israelis love Australia. Have you ever noticed that? Do you know that? Do you know that? Yes, Australians love Australia. That's right, and they'll love it even a little bit more when the embassy moves to Jerusalem. That's right. They'll feel good about it. They'll feel good about it. Okay, they'll feel good about it. It'll be a beautiful day. It will be a beautiful day. Uh, anyway, Australian Journals comes to town, so I had all these sentiments. Uh, however, it turned out that it wasn't quite like that. Australian Journals comes to town, to Hebron. Now, in Hebron, we have a building, which is on that star that I gave you. That building is a 2,000-year-old building built by King Herod who was a king in Judea, a Jewish king in Judea. And that building is the top of tombs that are 3,800 years old. Okay? In art, the art world, we call it provenance. We have a deep connection. What was another word you used? Um, uh, credentials. Credentials. Deep, deep connection to this place. And we've been living there practically for 3,500 years in the town of Hebron. Comes Australian journalist, and she says to me, and I can't do Australian, so it sounds British, please forgive me. She says to me, same, same phrase, because that is the catchword phrase of our time, which is, Mr. Fleischer, don't you know you're living in occupied land? And I, at that moment, a, a drop of bitterness entered my heart. First I thought to myself, let me get this straight. You're a white Australian, right? Now your provenance is a bit shakier, maybe? Uh, and you're coming out here to accuse me of being an occupier and a colonialist when I am the epitome of an indigenous person. Look behind me. There's the proof. That's my papa and my mama that are buried there. Okay? And you're coming, and she isn't coming as a, as a journalist asking me. She was frontally accusing me. She was judge and jury already. You know, and she was already going to pass judgment to the world no matter what I said. No matter what I would say. So she says this to me at that very moment, <clears throat> a little, uh, now I didn't answer her in a harsh way. I gave her, I said to her, how could you say that? Look behind me. I, I didn't give her a hard time personally. I treated her professionally. But at that moment, I must admit that a small drop of dark blood entered my heart. I was saddened. I was saddened because I thought to myself, all the way from Australia, this, this lucky country, you know what I mean? This lucky country, you, you're coming out and, and, and you're accusing me and you're falling in line. And this is to me, like Australia, you're not part of Europe. You're not part of the, the anti-Semitism of Europe. You don't, you don't have a huge Muslim, you know, uh, problem yet. Uh, and, and you, uh, you know, why, why, why are you going that way? Why do you need to, you don't have to go that way. You know, if you were squished in between, uh, you know, France and Spain or something, you know, okay. I could, I could understand it, but, but you don't have to go this way. Anyway, a little dark uh, 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 drop of blood entered my heart, and I was disappointed. That very moment, a colleague of mine, his name was Gennady Kaufman, 
passed right by me, and he saw my face. He must have seen that something was agitated on my face. And he says to me in Russian, because he was a Russian speaker, and I'm a Russian speaker, he says to me in Russian, he says, do you want, I should make you a cup of coffee. That's what he said to me. You see that smile that you got? That's exactly what I thought to myself. He didn't say to me, you know, let's come back, have a cup of coffee. Should I make you a cup of coffee? This is a colleague of mine. And I said to him, you know, uh, Gennady, I can't do it because I'm with this, uh, with this journalist, but thank you. And I thought in my heart at that moment, you know, Gennady came from the Ukraine. He came to the land of Israel. He's living in this, you know, uh, in Kirat Arba in Hebron. These are two sister towns in that, in that area in Hebron. He's a gardener. He's making things beautiful. And, and he didn't assimilate out. He's part of our peoplehood, and he's strong. He's a big guy. I felt good in my heart. I said, there's good people in the world. Three hours later, I was in my office. Uh, in, uh, in a neighborhood in Hebron, and we heard that somebody had been stabbed at the Tomb of the Patriarchs and Matriarchs. It came in on the emergency channels, things start beeping and bleeping, everybody's things goes off, and you know, and, and you know that, 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 that something major has happened. So we thought it was a soldier at first. That's the reports, the initial reports. But it turned out that it was Gennady. Yes, yes, Gennady was stabbed. He was stabbed once and punctured his heart, once in the chest, and once from behind, and it punctured his liver from behind. This was a big knife and, and, a, and a bad guy, and he got him. He got him good. And Gennady was tough, and he struggled for three weeks. For three weeks, he struggled in the hospital. People were praying for him, but in the end, he succumbed. And he, I, the, it's, a, it's a little tricky. He didn't die. He was murdered. Murdered, but, but delayed. In delay. So that's what happened to Gennady. In that story, the reason I tell you the story is because we have always two wars that we're fighting. One war is the war we know that's the physical effort to annihilate the Jewish people. That's, that's in, 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 uh, in, uh, in Melbourne, there's a huge population of, of uh, survivors of the Holocaust and the next generation. So we know about that. We know about people trying to just physically annihilate the Jewish people. That's nothing new. We've survived many wars, etc. But the new thing was actually not the second part of the story. It was the first part of the story, what I call the narrative war. She, this journalist, represented a war that is trying to undo the rationale of the Jewish people's, the, the history of the Jewish people's connection to the land of Israel. You are occupiers. And occupiers means that you're foreigners. You're white people from, far, from Europe after some kind of limited skirmish called the Holocaust or something. You came and you took over somebody else's land. That's their story. And that's a story that, that they have other people to back them up with. Suit and tie wearing Europeans from UNESCO who later on, last year, last summer, claimed that the tombs of the fathers and mothers is a Palestinian heritage site. This is an ongoing narrative effort. This current war in Gaza right now, this current actions in Gaza, these fence actions, what are they? Are they meant to actually weaken Israel militarily? No. They have one purpose only, to draw Israel into shooting them so that their cameras and that their narrative machine can do this blood libel and tell the world Israel is a human rights violator. I mean, Hamas is calling Israel a human rights violator. You have to wonder at the world. You have to be like, wow, that is amazing. You know what I mean? It's almost like Syria or Libya heading the Human Rights Commission. Who could have possibly believe that that could happen, right? It's a, it's a, there's, there's an absurdity in this world, an absurdity. And then, sadly, there are even Jewish people who fall and mimic and become useful idiots for that very, very line. Like who? Who? Like Natalie Portman. Boom! Here comes a, you know, a Jewish person who, who should, should know better, etc. And yet she's mimicking this thing because it's a pernicious lie. 
that has entered into, into the consciousness stream. We have to be very careful with that. Let me give you one last story about this. And uh, maybe here within it also lies some of the cures. There are other cures, but we won't be able to talk about everything tonight. The story goes during the last Gaza war. During the last Gaza war, this phone rings. It was this phone. And this phone, it's time to change it. This phone rings, and, and it says Qatar. I'm thinking, who's in Qatar? My cousin? No. Uh, who's living in Qatar? Oh, it's Al Jazeera calling me. Okay? That's the only person I, the only, the only org I know in Qatar. Anybody I know in Qatar is Al Jazeera. And I pick it up. Hello. Hello, Mr. Fleischer. Would you come on to our show talking about the Gaza war? I said, certainly. I, I, I would be delighted. Except I always make, in media, and I teach you this, you probably already know this, you're, you're an old hand this. I say to them, I'm not coming on a panel, though. You want me one-to-one? -one? I'm taking, then that's two-to-one, because the moderator is against me, and the, whoever the other guy is against me is against me, but I'm not coming on a panel. Because panel means anti-Semitism, 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 try to respond, oh, cut you off. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't work. Yeah. I, huh? We've got a program called Q&A on ABC. Yeah. Yeah, you can't do it. I don't, I don't do those shows. I did that a few times. It was a miserable failure for me. I did that on RT, on Russian Today. Absolutely impossible. I say, you want me? I'll come on. And I'm, I'm doing you a favor because you want my voice, but it's got to be one-to-one, -one, which is, in, in, in fact, two-to-one. Fine. So, so they're bringing, this was during the last Gaza war. Not now, two years ago. And, and, uh, and, and uh, I was about to go on, and a very famous journalist uh, is a good friend of mine. I said to him, hey, uh, I don't want to use his name, okay? So I said to him, I'll call him Joe. I said, hey, Joe, what do you recommend I say on Al Jazeera? So he goes, tell them we have a moral army. Tell them that we try so hard not to hurt innocent people. We do everything to reach out and make sure that innocent people aren't hurt. Doesn't that sound beautiful? Does that sound beautiful? No? It's nice. It's a nice message. We don't want to hurt innocent people. It's a beautiful message. Yeah, except for one thing. When you start giving that Israeli line, they have the video guy ready to show a kid being pulled out of the rubble. So here's me. Uh, yeah, we're trying really hard to be a moral army, and we try so hard to not hurt. And then little kids are going to be pulled out of the rubble. That's how, that's how the visual is going to go. And please imagine the dude who is sitting there with the, with the lever to pull up that video. The video's been pre-cut for, for when Ishai Fleischer comes on the show. Just, you know, I'll, and they know I'm going to say it because that's like the honey trap. They know I want to say that we're the, you know, moral army, and they're ready with the video. Oh, save a moral army. Is that right? Is that right? Uh-huh. Yeah, well, how do you explain? Okay, that, you get the picture. So I said to my friend Joe, I said, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. That is so dumb. You're mamash setting me up. You're, that's a Hebrew word. You're, you, are, you, are, you are wholly setting me into a trap by giving me this advice. He goes, so what are you going to do? I said, watch this. So I get on Al Jazeera, and they say to me, lo and behold, can you believe it? They say to me, Mr. Fleischer. I'm sorry that everybody sounds the same. <laughs> to me, they also sound the same, believe me. And, and I, I, said to, I said, but they actually, it, it's, it's funny because the questions do, it is, it is in fact like that because they're really all in, in a kind of mental cahoots. So, so they say to me, uh, Mr. Fleischer, uh, uh, how is it that 2,000 Palestinians have been killed and only 70 Israelis? There's the moment. The guy's waiting, right? The video guy's waiting. Because he's going to say it. He's going to say it. He's going to say it. But we have a moral army. We try really hard, right? I said, 
That's exactly what happens when you start with us. You shoot rockets against us, we're going to shoot you ten times as hard. You're going to put your children in front of those rockets? You murdered them. Don't start with a post-Holocaust Israel. Don't start with our little country. We have zero tolerance. You shoot one rocket, you'll get ten back. That's what happens, and that's why those numbers reflect all those deaths. Don't start with Israel. Video guys like... <laughs> do, I, is that the, do I play it now? Uh... It didn't, it didn't go like planned. And everybody there, there was, there was a palpable, and you can see it on TV, it's on YouTube, there's a palpable moment where they're just like, we, we never heard that. Which is what? The, just the honesty, just the clarity of, of don't mess with us. Just the truth. And also not the, sorry, I don't know, is this a proper word in, in Australian? Sissy? Okay, can you say sissy? <laughs> not the total sissy response that is like, we're trying really hard. Come on! Our army is immoral. I'm sorry I have to use this in a synagogue. Uh, or, okay, it's okay. It's not, there's no, there's no uh, arc here. We're not a moral army. We're a badass army. Don't mess with us. Israel isn't there to please you. My army isn't there to be your, your buddy. It's a toothy animal. You start with me, I'm going to release this, this machine that wreaks violence on you. Do not start with Israel. That's a message. And by the way, that's a message that everybody understands and respects. You tell the moral army, you're what? I'm, be, you're, I'm better than you because I have a moral army. I'm not better than you. Don't start with me. I'm not trying to say I'm better than you. There's something a lot of times in the leftist mind that they also, there's a superiority complex. I don't need to be superior. I'm not trying to be better than you in a kind of haughty way. I have a moral army. You have an immoral army. I'm not saying that. Don't mess with me is all I'm saying to you. Start with me. You're going to get whacked. That's all there is to it. And I don't mean whacked in the uh, Italian mafia way. I mean, uh, I mean, don't start with me, okay? Uh, uh, huh? Any case, uh, so wait, but but they're not done yet. The video guy's still ready with the with the with the film, and he's and he's just waiting. Just just he's gonna fall for it a second time. Circle back again. They circle the wagons. They circle the wagons, and within about ten minutes, they circle it back just in a slightly different way. And they say, "It's all on video. You can see yourself." They say. But Mr. Fleischer, how is it, how is it that 3,000 rockets uh, have been lo lobbed from Gaza at Israel and only very few uh, have hit their targets and only, uh, seven, and only 70 Israelis are dead? They circled back to that. So I said to them, here I have to take off my journalist hat and put on my rabbi hat. It's min Allah. It is the will of God. Okay? <laughs> He sweats away the rockets. Well, and how do you explain it? Is Hamas, are they, are, can they not aim? Are they stupid? It is the will of Allah. Allah wills it. The video guy's like this. That was not, not what he was supposed to say, okay? And, 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 and here, by the way, is also another little, uh, uh, it's, it's not a trick. It's another thing to understand. Don't talk Western in the Middle East. Don't talk Western in the Middle East. Talk Middle East in the Middle East. Talk Allah. They like to hear that. Allah's with us, not with you. I tell, I tell them that all the time. I tell them all the time. I tell them straight up. And by the way, I believe it. <laughs> I believe it. I straight up believe it. I, I, I generally, by the way, you should know, just a general principle, the, the Bible tells us, don't lie. There are very few reasons why you... I generally, I, I generally very much try to stick to really as much as possible the truth. 
and, and in this case, I do believe that as well. Allah is with us. God is with us, right? I just want to give you just one more example, then we're going to go to the five. I'm, I'm just for one second adding one more tiny story, then we're going to go to five solutions quickly, okay? One more story is just for you to understand how Arabs, and really, I, I, I delete that word, I meant to say how Middle Eastern peoples, including Jews, how we in the Middle East think and understand things. Here's a conversation that I have with many Arabs. I've composited it into one conversation, okay? It's happened over and over again, and I've just kind of built an archetypal conversation for you. Here's how it goes. I say to the, my Muslim friends, I say, my Arab friends, I say, Allah loves you. He loves you. He's given you 22 countries. Right? True or not? He's given you 350 million children. They have 350 million people. And you have oil coming out of the ground. Good. Allah loves you, Right? He loves you. But he also loves us. And this small land is our land. How do I know? Because it says so in your Quran, in four different verses, it says that the Jewish people are going to come back to the land of Israel. So Allah loves you, but he has given us this. And how do I know? Because we've beaten you. We've beaten you in all these wars. And look at our beautiful, shiny city. How do you think that it's all happened? Is it because we're richer than you? Are we bigger than you? No. It's because Allah wills it. And you are being a bad Muslim. Submit to the will of Allah. That's what I tell them. And now this conversation, if you can have in a good conversation, a lot of times it happens in a cab where nobody else sees them. Because No, be, honestly, because they're very afraid to have normal conversations around other people. I have many stories about that as well. But he, that, that Arab will say to me a lot of times like this. This is how it goes. I'll give him that line, and he'll do a few minutes of think. A few moments of think. He'll be like, like this. He'll stroke his beard, and he'll say, yes. You are right. But you have left the Sinai. You have left South Lebanon. You have left parts of the West Bank. You have left Gaza. You are shrinking. Allah is with us. We are patient and we will beat you in time. Understand, folks? I just explained to you right there and then, and this is a great transition, why the two-state solution is an essential failure. The very discourse of it shoots us in the foot. It's completely anti-Middle Eastern. They understand it to be foolish and weakness. Weakness, which they don't respect. The language of the Middle East is not Farsi, it's not Arabic, and it's not Hebrew. It's respect. And here I do mean that in the mafia sense. Respect. You've got to give me respect, they give you respect. You know? You don't respect me, you think I'm weak, you walk all over me. It's actually pretty simple. If you, it, it, it's actually the other way, the way of imagining that giving away more land will cause peace and that somehow we can democratize them and all that. That's actually complex. The simple realization that the Middle East is about holding on strong and people will respect you if you, if you, if you push back on lies and tell them your, your red lines, that's actually simple thinking. And, and that's right. Now let's say you are, let's say Shai Fleischer is wrong. Let's say all, everything I said right now is racist, homophobic, misogynistic, and what else? And, uh, and, oh, and Islamophobic. Let's say I said all these bad things just now, okay? So no problem, let's test it. That was, by the way, meant to be a joke, that whole thing, okay? <laughs> just to make sure we understood that. So, right? We're good? Okay. So, so, uh, so let's test it, eh? We'll test it. Easy enough. 
Let's pull out of Sinai, see what happens. Oh, now we have ISIS in the Sinai, you know, preparing rockets. Let's pull out of South Lebanon. Oh, 200,000 rockets now aimed at us from, from, from Iranian Hezbollah, Shiite militia. Uh, let's pull out of Judea and Samaria. We have to, uh, West Bank, we have to fight a war to get back there because terrorists take over and destroy our holy places, take over land and, and, and have a suicide uh, a bus uh, bombing parade in, in Jerusalem and Tel Aviv. And then we give away Gaza and what happens there? It becomes, within six months, a, a forward terror base with, 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 with tunneling, rocketing, endless, endless effort to destroy Israel. No two-state solution, no peace. So from an empirical point of view, empirical, for tested point of view, it's a failure. And by the way, that's why the average Israeli is moving away from land for pieces of formula, because it's been tested. Not because he has sat and learned the Bible with me, okay? Not because he now uh, 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 you know, has a different you know, a, a deeper theological understanding. Not because of that. Because he has seen it, he, and she, he or she has seen it fail recurrently on an empirical level. How long are you going to try it over and over again? Moreover, how are you going to give away the, 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 the heartland of the country that is a, a mountain range? That mountain range controls the rest of the country. It would be suicidal. And even, even left-leaning generals know that, which we have. Uh, and moreover, and this is a little bit more of a subtle thing, but it's as important, if not even more important, by giving away our ancestral homeland, and that way of thinking, we undermine our very narrative. Because our narrative is based on our historical connection to places like Hebron. And if you undermine that, you've actually undermined the very underpinnings of, of, of why Israel has a right to exist in that landmass. So you're shooting yourself in the foot. And you can see people like, people like Shimon Peres, he says, the, the history is not important, people. Today is important. The future is important, not the history. But that's not the way the Middle East works. History is important. Narrative is important. Your roots are important. Yes, roots are important. Yes, think about that. Roots are important. If you're rootless, you slide off. There's a, a narrative, a tale is very important. That's why the Christians are here. That's right. And it's all in the Bible. There's a root to the story. It's all the same. It's, 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 by the way, what is the, the tombs of the fathers and mothers? It's the root of, of, of mankind's moral doctrines. Okay, without that, if, if it indeed is the Ibrahimi Mosque, if, 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 you know, if, if, if it, in fact, uh, Abraham is a Muslim prophet, and all these, you know, if the whole thing turns, the whole world starts to become a lie. If, if, if Abraham is not, you know, the, 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 the harbinger of, of, of the Bible, and, and they basically say that our Bible is a lie. That we have, we are the liar, we have fabricated the Bible. The Christians, on the other hand, don't say that about, our, about the Old Testament, right? So it's a, it's a difference in kind. Also, today, thank God, Christians are coming away from their own uh, replacement theology, right? And we're moving with at least the people in this room, you know, and that's a, you said it in the right way because there are many Christians who are very much part of replacement theology. In fact, fifty percent of the money that comes into anti-Israel organizations uh, from around the world come through European Christian organizations. There's still a deep anti-Semitism there, but we're talking today that there is a movement, a big movement, and really Israel was founded in large measure with the help of this movement. Uh, and there's many great stories uh, that that do not seek replacement theology. But the stuff that I was talking about before is replacement narrative. That's also, it's a new kind of replacement theology. Israel's not Israel. Israel's a thief. It was really Palestine. That's also a replacement theology. A replacement narrative. Replacement politics. 
All right, here we go. We're, we're, we're gonna, I'm not, I don't want to lose you folks, okay? Let's pull back for a second. Everybody take a stretch, okay? So we agreed so far Australia should move the embassy? Yes. yes. Easy enough. We agreed that we have to deal with the media because they're, they're narrative combatants and we've got to know how to answer them in a robust manner? Yes, we agree to that, robustly, without a lot of sissy, you know, uh, 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 and lack of clarity. Clarity, this is our land, we have every right to it, we'll fight for it, clarity. And what was the last thing we agreed to? How did we say it? Roots. Narrative roots, okay, all right, we agreed to basic principles now, oh, and we, oh, and we agreed that the two-state solution is dumb, okay? Can we say it that way? It is dumb. It is just dumb. And it is failed. Tested and failed. And it, was, and it is anti-Middle Eastern. And its very cognition is against the way the Middle East thinks. It empowers the jihad against us. Conscious, in, in their consciousness. Are we done with that? So we got it? Okay, we got those three points? Good. Now, let's go quickly to alternatives to two-state solution. Because the criticism that you should have said to me is, Yishai, great, you've disproven two-state solution, but what about... Do you have a right-wing, do you have a nationalistic alternative? And that's a critique, but in that critique is also health. By the very question, do you have an alternative, there's a moment where I like to pause and say, ah, that you just asked me that is so nice. Okay, because you've come to at least some realization that there's a problem in the two-state solution. You've, you've understood that. And now you're throwing it back to me, and here's my moment to... You know, hit it back, I like that, and I like the breaking of the calcification. Because we've been told forever and ever the two-state solution is the, fill in the blank, the only solution. Oh, it's the only solution? I hate when people say only, right? This is the only car. Come on, there's another car, you know? Somebody says to me it's the only, I immediately feel like it's certainly not the only, you know? Um, so that's annoying. But it's also not right. And here we go. We have to give them an answer. All right, we have to give them an answer. And I'm going to go fast through these, and you can see them again if you would like at my New York Times article, which was published last February on the matter, which is called The Settler's Vision for the Future of Israel, okay, which, uh, which, uh, which, uh, drew out, which spelled out these five alternatives uh, in, in a way that's easy for you to remember, I hope. And that article got a lot of resonance uh, because there was finally an alternative. And I learned a little useful trick. Don't always say it from first person. This is not just my voice. Not Yishai sat down on the drawing board and came up with five alternatives. I'm not that smart, okay? Uh, but it is a compilation of other smart people's thinking on this issue. Yes, there has been thinking. So let's go through this quickly, okay? Number one, guess what? You want a two-state solution? We'll give it to you. In fact, the British gave it to you, okay? And they gave it to you in the 20s. It was called Jordan. They took 70% of a landmass dedicated to the Jewish people, cut off away a huge chunk of it, and gave it to their buddies, who they crowned king on this landmass, in a totally, you know, audacious colonialist thing, just to do a favor to their uh, Hashemite friends. Uh, and they called it Transjordan, later to be called Jordan. Okay? So, uh, guess what? 80% of the people that live in Jordan are Palestinians. Okay, and they're ruled by a Bedouin Hashemite minority. Fine. But good news, there's already a Palestinian state. Moreover, in 1948, it was this Jordan that took over our ancestral homeland, the West Bank, Judea, and Samaria. And the Arabs that lived there, they all had Palestinian, excuse me, Jordanian passports. It was only in 1984 when those passports were revoked. One fine day they woke up stateless. 
So maybe we can reinstate with the literal meaning of that word, reinstate these people's status as Jordanian citizens. They could stay in Israel, stay in Israel, stay living. We will annex Judea and Samaria, the West Bank. The, the Palestinians there will have Jordanian passport. They will live in Israel as residents, but vote in their parliament right next door. If they would like to go there and fulfill their feelings of national self-determination, fine. But if they want to stay in Israel because it is a fabulous country to live in, right, best country in the Middle East, and they want to keep their Palestinian identity, their Muslim identity, their Arab identity, no problem. Don't be jihadist. Pay your taxes, serve in national service or in the army, and vote in, in Amman. Good? Simple. Beautiful. Everybody should be so happy. Everybody should applaud. This is fabulous. Jordan is Palestine. Yippee, hooray, great, everything's so good. I can finish now, I can go now. All right, it's easy. Okay, it's just easy. It's easy. The only problem is, is that Jordan is not under our control. And uh, that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. We, should, we can create that consciousness and get that thing ready. Either with the king, if he wants to keep ruling, and he's going to accept it, or without the king, because he could be overthrown also. And we should be ready for that as well. Let me add another caveat that has come up very recently about that plan. And if I would write the article today, I would add this, and I should write this and add this, and, and I hope that I do, which is like this. Right now, there's a new discussion about, about the Middle East in that there are some states like Saudi Arabia that are changing their attitude towards Israel. You've noticed this. In Israel, we've noticed it more. There's bloggers, Saudi bloggers, the king is talking differently. Everybody's talking differently. Why is that? Because they've just come to love Israel, right? Because they themselves have become great Herzlian Zionists. Is that what it is? No. No, they're not reading the Bible and falling in love with Israel and Jerusalem. That's not it? Oh, I see. Maybe it's because of Iran. Okay? Maybe it's because this other... Now, here's a piece of information that sometimes Westerners don't know. Iran wants to destroy Israel... Duh. But, you might not know this, what they really want more than anything every single day of their life is to control Mecca and Medina. That is what Iranians want very badly. Why? Because who controls Mecca and Medina controls the true Islam. Okay? And they feel themselves to be, you know, they're very, 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 they very much want to control those things and to prove that their version of Islam is the right one. So right now, the Saudis, now, now the Saudis used to, they had a nice deal with America, which was... We'll give you oil at good prices, you give us protection. Okay? Very simple. That was the deal. They have fancy planes, but they're not good at them. They're not, they're not, that's true. That's just a fact. Everybody knows that. I'm not, I'm not making fun of anybody. Just fact is they're not good at self-defense, and they use the American umbrella. Now, America is pulling out of the Middle East, even with President Trump. They're just not in a fighting mood right now. In the end, President Trump is an America first thinker, which is fine. But suddenly... The reality, now they think to themselves that if the Iranians cut here, come here, they will cut our throat. Not figuratively. Literally. That's how they understand the situation. And they're looking around, they're shopping around, and who are they looking at? Who's going to be their next best friend? Who's going to take care of them? Who's going to be the big boy in the block? Okay, who's going to carry the big stick? Who's going to take care of it? They look and they're like, they see the Jewish state. It's a little weird for them. It's a little weird for them. But they're like, uh... Now, they can't be seen as throwing the Palestinian story to the dogs. So the Israeli left is saying, look, here's a moment for us to negotiate with the Palestinians and make peace because we have these moderate Arab states like Saudi Arabia and also Egypt, which is dealing with its own Muslim Brotherhood problem and trying to suppress it. Right now is the time when there's pro-Israel forces. Let's use these moderate-minded Arab states to help us make peace with the Palestinians. Wrong. 
wrong way of thinking. The reason they're turning to us is because we're strong, not because we're weak. And we've got to turn back to them and say, you want peace? You want us to give us your, you, you want our defense umbrella? No problem. Take care of this issue for us. We want Jordan as Palestine. We want this finished off. We don't want this business anymore. Okay, I'll, do, I'll cut a deal with you. That will make sense to them, okay? But not, what does not make sense is in the moment where they want our strength, we'll do something stupid to endanger our own security. That's not the moment. Do you understand what I'm saying? I know it's a bit complex, but it's quite important to, to understand what I'm saying. Because you'll read this now. I already read it in two major articles. Major thinkers already saying, look, we have liberal, uh, uh, moderate-minded states. Let's use this moment. It's the wrong psychology. It should go the other way. Yes, you want our help. We want this issue off the table. You, you, you deal with this. We want all the Arab countries to repatriate the Palestinians that, that are living. Lebanon, Jordan. We want them all to have regular citizenship of those places. Give the Arabs in, in Judea and Samaria Jordanian citizenship. We want this out of, of the picture. That's the way to do it right now. Okay? That's, that's, I know it's complex, but that's an important caveat uh, uh, to, to that issue. I'm going to go faster now. I'm sorry. I know I've kept you for a long time. It's a lot of important issues, right? Okay, here we go. Option number two. That was option number one, Jordan is Palestine. Option number two is... What Naftali Bennett, education minister, says, he says, just annex Area C. All the Jews in Judea and Samaria and the West Bank live in Area C. Says Naftali Bennett, annex those areas. Don't deal with A and B, but give where the Jews have settled, quote-unquote, in these places where they have sunken roots, give them a, a decent, normal Israeli life, and no longer under military uh, quasi-status, give them normal Israeli status. And that includes giant cities like Ariel, like, like Male Adumim, like uh, what, like Efrat, like the Gush Etzion, uh, like, like here at Arba, etc., big places, let it have normal Israeli status. What about A and B, says Naftali Bennett? I don't know, I don't want to figure it out yet. Right now, let me just take, he's a businessman, he thinks in terms of scaling. He says, let me scale this to the next thing. Good. Comes option number C to buttress option number B, and that is uh, our friend Mordechai Kedar, David's friend and myself. And Mordechai Kedar, great professor in Israel, great Arabist scholar, hilarious when he takes on Al Jazeera in Arabic. You've never seen anything like it in your life. Run circles around them in their own Islam. Amazing stuff. So he says, he says, you don't know what you're talking about. Palestinians aren't one people. They're actually made up of clans. They're clannish. And they don't marry one another in these various clans. And they really have seven uh, clannish cities. Shechem, Tulkarem, Janin, etc. Okay, Hebron. Uh, uh, Ramallah, etc., the seven of them. And he says, give them self-rule. Uh, in America, they would call it uh, reservations. Okay? He could, prefers to call it emirates. All right? He says, give them, give them their self-rule in their big cities. We'll annex Judea and Samaria, but they'll have their big cities as self-rule places. Of course, they'll have to, they, these rules cannot, if they're jihadists, we have to hit them. Okay, but if they want to live under their kind of rule, that's the way to deal with it. That's, an answer, that's the dovetailing of option number two, which is annexation of Area C and how to deal with the areas A and B under the Kedar Emirates rubric. Okay? Option number four is the most important, I think, other than option number one. Option number one, option number four, the most important. But four separates into A, B, and C. You'll follow me. It's easy enough, okay? Sorry to be Talmudic with you, but here's how it goes. It's simple. It's actually simple. Annexation of the land, and then you have two, let's say two million, that's also a discussion how many there are. Let's say there's two million Palestinians there, let's say. Some people say 1.6, some people say 1.8, some people say 3 million, whatever the number is. 
annexation of that area. Then what do you do with the population? So one group, option number A says, give them all citizenship. Boom. Just make them citizens. Why is that okay? Because we have 65% advantage from the river to the sea in terms of population, excluding Gaza. Okay, excluding Gaza, we have a 65% advantage. So those people say, you know what, just take all those Arabs in. Don't worry about it. And then nobody, the world, I don't like this term because there's no world, okay? There's all kinds of world. In this room, we have the world, and, and some of these people, the, the world here thinks differently than the other quote-unquote world, okay? So I don't like the word the world. I think it's kind of dumb. We shouldn't say the world. There's the countries, you know, the Czech Republic is going today to the event in Jerusalem, and Australia is not. There's a, the world is a, I don't like that word because it, it's a little bit, it's, it stereotypes the world. There's, there's a lot of good people in the world. Uh, uh, where are we at? So, 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 yeah, so the world, quote unquote, will like it if we give them all citizenship. But most people, and I'm sure in this room, most of you are thinking, that doesn't make sense. You can't give a lot of people, certainly who have been trained for the last 40 years, to detest and destroy Israel. You can't give them all citizenship. So we say something a little bit more normal, which is give them residency and a pathway to citizenship through the rubric of loyalty. You have to swear loyalty, and then if you swear loyalty, may, you know, you'll go on the pathway of citizenship. That makes a lot more sense for most people. I can tell you that people on the left generally are able to swallow this. This is tested. I have tested it. They can swallow it more. Um, um, so you have annexation to residency to pathway to citizenship. Is this even a, 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 is there a model of this? Yes, it already exists. East Jerusalem Arabs live exactly, Eastern Jerusalem Arabs and Golan Arabs live exactly on that premise. They live as Israeli residents, they have Israeli civil rights, they, and they have Israeli medicine and coverage, etc., 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 but, and they have also the option of applying for citizenship. Then we look at your records, I, I, we don't have a robust loyalty oath thing, but that's a big discussion in Israel. Okay, make them swear loyalty to the Jewish state. Accept the fact that it is a Jewish state. And yes, you are an Arab, Palestinian, Muslim, whatever you want, but you are living in a Jewish state. Accept that, we can give you citizenship. Option number C is less attractive to folks on the left, but I think it has to be discussed, and I think it's more biblical, and that is give them residency. You, as Gentiles living in our land, will have residency. You will have all the rights and protections of the state of Israel, but you're not to be given the right to steer the wheel of the car because we know that for a long time you really are anti-Israel. And this little defensive state, and here I want to tell you something that, that the Jewish, the AJA will tell you this, but the rest of the Jewish world will never tell you this. Here we go. Israel is actually an ethnic Jewish state. It is not Jewish and democratic per se. First and foremost, it's meant to defend its own. Bia, what's the word we're looking for, David? Sanctuary. Sanctuary for, uh, uh, for the Jewish people. How many Arabs are there in our region? I said it before. 350 million. And there's 6.5 million Jews. Okay? So we want to give you all the rights, but we're not so sure that it's okay for you to vote because you may try to outvote us or the 12 uh, Arab Knesset members that we have right now we see that they're actually quite hateful towards Israel and seditious. If, they were, if they, you had something like that in your parliament, you would have arrested them a long time ago and put them on trial. Do you, and I don't know how you deal with seditious people, but, uh, but that's what uh, you, you would deal with them as seditious. So option number four, so what is 4A? Help me, I want to see if you're awake here. 4A? No, I don't want to hear from this table here. I, 4A is what? 4A? What? 
No, that's 4B. It's all annexation. Annexation to 2. 4A is that crazy option, which is just give them citizenship immediately. No questions asked. Ta-da, welcome to Israel. Okay, option 4B may be more reasonable. Residency, N-A, through loyalty, okay? Yeah, it's that simple. And then, and, then, and then 4C is annexation, residency, and that's it. And welcome to Israel, okay? And, and, and you have a good life. You want self-determination, you have 22 other countries. You want to live here, you'll be a resident, okay? 4B is what folks on the left can swallow, generally speaking, Okay? Uh, that doesn't mean that it's right, but I, I'm just telling you that, that when you talk to someone, let's say you face somebody who's very much against you, you could say, here's an option, it's called annexation to residency to a pathway to citizenship through the gateway of loyalty. And people are like, I can, I can swallow that. I can swallow that. Okay, final option is number five, which is, look, maybe at some point we'll reach a conclusion that indeed there is no peace. I use that word sparingly, okay? Maybe there is no peace. Maybe there we are two national narratives, the one that has been recently created, theirs, and our 3,800-year-old one, cannot, um, cannot coexist, cannot coexist, and therefore we need a little bit of a divorce. And this would be uh, uh, something like India-Pakistan, or Greece-Turkey, uh, and it would be, uh, and I'm not talking about forced evacuation here, I'm talking about compensated, willful exchange of populations. If you feel yourself that you cannot live in a Jewish state, we will set up a program to help you emigrate out. Just like we help Jews emigrate in, we'll help you emigrate out. You know? And, 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 because we see that this is not going to work out. That kind of accelerated separation, let's call it. I like that, accelerated separation. I like that. Accelerated separation, okay? Okay, I'm finishing off with one last thing. Are, we, are you guys all right? Yeah. You guys all right? I filled your heads a little bit, okay? Here we go, last option. I'm going to tell you the original peace plan. You want to hear the original peace plan? It was an Arab peace plan. The year was 1919. The year was 1919. It was the Paris Peace Conference. Hope was in the air, okay? The first, the, 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 the Great War was over. There was a, a thinking, we got we to we not go into another war again like that. Little did they know what was going to happen. But in 1919, at the Paris Peace Conference, two people met. And they exchanged letters. You could see those letters on Wikipedia. It's called the Weizmann-Faisal letters. Chaim Weizmann, Amir Faisal. Amir Faisal, important Arab leader. Chaim Weizmann, head of the Zionist movement. And they met. And they write letters. And the important letters are the ones from Faisal to Weizmann. And it goes something like this. Jewish brothers. I'm dramatizing. Yes? <laughs> Jewish brothers, welcome to your homeland. He says... The educated amongst us know that you have a historical connection to this land. Let us rise up together, a Semitic union, a strong Jewish state amongst strong Arab states. Together we will rise up. Together we will be successful as a Semitic alliance. We are the children of Abraham. There should be a strong Jewish state and strong Arab states around them. Around them. That's the way to move forward. Not to divide the Jewish state, not, you know, we want your land, not, Yes, there will be a Jewish state. We speak a similar language. We have a similar religion. We are uh, uh, similar in some senses, and, and we have, uh, and dissimilar in others, and we have, but we have a, you know, a, a, a joint genetic code almost, you know, similar genetic code. We are a Semitic peoples. We're children of Abraham. Let us rise up together. Okay? That was the original vision. Sad, he was a non-jihadist. Sadly, he was not to win the day 
And there were other forces, hateful forces, like that of Hajimin al-Husseini, who was the original kind of jihadist thinker and later became a full-blown... Uh, that is what won the day. We've got to reverse the clock. And the way we're going to do that is through sending a message that Israel is going to be strong. Yeah. In my last talk, somebody came up to me and said, you didn't mention God enough. And I was like, I'm a rabbi. My beard is turning gray. Okay? <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about God all the time. And she said, she said, no, you didn't mention God enough. So we have to say, it is God who gives us the strength to do valor. Okay, it's his great vision that he's in gathering the Jewish people to the land of Israel. He's got a great vision of peace for this world. Okay, he's got a vision of a light for this world, of knowledge in this world. We're living in great times, times of great intellectual knowledge of health, of transportation, of communication. God is revealing great things in this world. He has revealed that, he is, that he's returning the Jewish people to the land of Israel. He's revealed that he uh, wants Jerusalem to shine to the world. And the many people in this room are uh, the Jewish people who are hearing that call, and many of our brothers and sisters from the non-Jewish world are hearing that call. Many millions are hearing God's call. Did I say it enough clearly? Yeah. Okay, nobody's going to say, Yisha, you didn't mention God. Rabbi Yisha, I didn't mention God. That did not happen at this talk. Okay, with that, I want to wish you Chag Sameach. Everybody say Chag Sameach. Happy holiday, right? Happy Jerusalem recognition by the nations. And happy Hebron Day when the Jewish people are reunited, where we're all reunited with the mothers and fathers. Thank you very much. Okay? All right, folks, you are listening to the Yishai Fleischer Show. That was my talk at uh, North Shore and, uh, at Sydney. And it was really a lot of fun, and it was such a special trip. And I really want to thank all the people. I just don't want to name everybody, but there's a ton of people, and you know who you are, that really made my trip, every minute of my trip, so valuable, so beautiful, and, and so cool to connect with something around the other side of the, the world. Like, for example, as, you know, I told you before, I'm in Hong Kong Airport right now, and, and as the sun was setting when I was on the airplane, I looked down at the map, and it was setting right over the equator. And I said, Minchai, prayed the afternoon prayer all over, over the equator as the sun was setting. And it's just cool to understand that our world is small, and our world is round, and our world is beautiful, and to be able to connect to, to good people all around the world. I also want to connect you to good things. And one of the things that happened yesterday is that um, somebody, somebody in one of my talks uh, at Marubra, that's a place in, in Sydney. I just love saying things like Marubra. They have the craziest, funniest names in Australia. Really fun. So I, so I went to Marubra, which has beautiful Jewish community and beautiful beach also. Um, at Marubra, somebody asked me, they asked me about, like, do uh, high-profile high stars come to Israel? Why don't we hear more about that? And I said, I don't know so much about stars, but I think you need to hear more about good things that happen in Israel by going to a blog called Very Good News Israel, which puts out amazing stuff every week about articles that are good things that are happening in Israel. It's called Very Good News Israel, and I want to start promoting it here on this show. I also want to promote the Hebron Fund. I want you to visit the mothers and the fathers or, and support the mothers and the fathers. Right? Keep it off AM. Come, come be part of it. You hear the, in the background right now, that's the Hong Kong Airport announcements. Right, proceed to your gate, everybody. Let's proceed to our gate and go visit our mothers and our fathers in Chevron. I want to thank the folks at Janglo.net uh, for putting out uh, incredible information about what's going on in Israel all the time. So that's Janglo.net, my good friend Zev Stubb. 
I also want to thank the J Brick folks. And all I can say to the J Brick folks who make great Jewish Lego is I've been watching what they're making out there in the in the regular Lego world, and they are making amazing. I just saw an incredible Taj Mahal and an incredible opera house uh, from, from Sydney in Lego. And we got to make more great stuff that is on par with that uh, for Jewish stuff. And the only people who are doing it are J Brick, so check it out. Who else do I want to thank today? Uh, I definitely want to uh, appreciate and, and I urge you to support northernisrael.com forward slash Yishai, northernisrael.com forward slash Yishai. Go visit the north and see if you could buy some property there. See if you can connect to the land of Israel through, uh, through uh, owning a, a, a piece of land and having that view on the Kinara that you've always wanted. It's really opportune. It's really, it's really possible. I also want to thank the Land of Israel Network itself, which is just so, so lovely and so great to have these great voices. And ironically and interestingly enough, exactly the day that I left uh, Australia, which was a few hours ago, uh, our good friend Gil Hoffman was landing in Australia to give a few talks. So God bless you, Gil, for, uh, for getting out there. Gil is, of course, a... Uh, a seasoned world traveler and has gone around the world connecting people to Israel. I also want to thank God Almighty for an amazing trip and for the opportunity to record and speak with you. Whenever I go on the road, I realize how important it is to broadcast and to send that signal more and more and more and just to broadcast it, broadcast God's message, broadcast the land of Israel. So many people come up to me and say, this is my way to connect to Israel through the network, through your show, through the other shows. It's awesome. The only other thing I'd like to promote is some kind of Israeli wine, but I don't have a specific wine to promote to you today or a specific website. All I can say is, folks, get some Friday night wine. Uh... Uh, from the land of Israel, especially from Judea and Samaria. And finally, I want to say to you that I am so, so excited for my favorite, favorite holiday, Shavuot. I'm, I'm, I'm already like pre-crying. It's, I don't know what it is about Shavuot, but I am a Shavuot a junkie, if you will. I just love Shavuot. It's like my favorite holiday, and I just get so emotional about it. And I've been counting the Sphira with, with you. I'm sure you've been counting it. And tonight here, in, where I am in Hong Kong, is 47 days. And I, during, during this period, I wear special bracelets, uh, like those, those rubbery, gummy bracelets that young the teenagers wear. I wear them throughout this period to remind me that it's the Sphere account. Like, I put something on special to, to like, keep on reminding me that we're in this special period. We're in such a special period. And I really just want to pray to Hashem that we all do tshuva, that we all serve Hashem better, that we all grow through this period. This has been such a beautiful period, this period of, uh, of the, uh, the Sfirat Omer. We've grown so much with our, just with our love of Torah and our love of Eretz Yisrael and our love of getting closer to you, God. And, um, and for me, uh, it, it almost capped off by this uh, fabulous trip that, to Australia, which just had everything. It had, it had politics, it had media, it had beautiful places and beautiful people, and, and really strengthening the tie between, uh, between the diaspora and Israel and Israel and the diaspora. Okay, folks, all I can ask you now is to write me an email, and it would be very, very nice if you wrote me an email. Hashtag Chag Sameach. That's all I'm asking for, is I'm asking for a Chag Sameach email. I'm sitting here in Hong Kong Airport recording for you, 
So all you could do is just get on your phone and write to, to Yishai at the land of Israel.com. Just write hashtag Chag Sameach or Chag Sameach Yishai. And, and I'd love to hear from you. That'll make me so happy. And I'll try to send you back a Chag Sameach as well. Let's bless each other. Let's bless, let's bless each other. And I bless you uh, from, from uh, here at this corner in Hong Kong, heading towards the land of Israel. Like Rabbi Nachman says, wherever I am, I'm, I'm, wherever I walk, I walk towards the land of Israel. God bless you folks wherever you are. Stay tuned. Stay strong. Stay connected. Stay part of the story. Stay totally unafraid. Stay informed. Stay tr- trust your heart. Know your, believe your instincts. Know the truth. And, and let's push back on all those lies and all those forces of darkness. Uh, they're only pushing so hard right now because an incredible light is coming out. You feel it. You can feel it. It's just bubbling. It's bursting. It's exploding. And, it, and it's beautiful. It's the most beautiful light in the world. Uh, but the dark forces are just all, all in a huff about it, trying to throw all their garbage on top of it so that they can keep uh, the great light from from bursting forth we won't let them garbage up this time uh, the light is going to shine and, and the world is going to be a place that is going to yearn for godliness yearn for the land of israel yearn for connectivity so again stay strong stay tuned stay connected stay part of the story wherever you are god bless you so chazak chazak chag sameach and shalom Awake, tribe of Judah, calls Zev Jabotinsky. Nature beckons with the spring. Passover beckons the day of Exodus. Liberation from our chains. Well, I'm definitely looking for a little bit of liberation. And frankly, even a healthy dose of redemption. Because I'm Rav Mike Foyer, and this is The Jewish Story. Join Rav Mike Foyer for the best Jewish history podcast. The Jewish Story on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com.